Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Transition Seeker. You've got Russell here. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, critical and creative responses to pop culture. We're all about conscious consumption, uh, moving from passive to active consumption. And that can also mean aggressive consumption, I think, yes. And it can also even mean no consumption at all. Um, think about that, uh, because sometimes that's the best um, response to uh, our consumer society just refuse to consume there's even a, a movement around that the whole buy nothing day which I think happens on the 28th of November uh, so we're a long way to go where the whole idea is um, the entire day you don't buy a thing uh, consciously, consciously don't buy it which is a nice idea I think um, but why wait why wait, in some ways we've already started, we've got this coronavirus thing happening self-isolating i know i'm not uh um consuming as much as i usually do because uh lots of the places are closed and and that's kind of fine by me because i don't really need much when i think about it you know here i'm at home i've got lots and lots of good pop culture stuff to keep me occupied right here the only thing i need to do is get some groceries occasionally um I noticed alcohol consumption is up though that's kind of interesting and i guess not very surprising uh that's certainly one way to while away the hours uh, while we're waiting to get back to work. Personally, I'm not really a big fan of uh, the whole alcohol drug trip. I don't want to lay a heavy moral thing on you, but uh, simply it just seems like a kind of a cheap fix to your problems. You can just buy something, or buy a drug and, and ingest and instant happiness ensues um i th i think happiness is really something one of those things that really needs to be worked at um naturally in, in my opinion uh, but i think that's maybe a topic for another time you don't need to hear me crap on it get all moralistic about all this shit so let's move on um i'm going to be going back to the 1970s in this particular podcast I'm going to give you my roundup of key albums, music of the 1970s, and I want to talk about uh, a really important issue that happened in, the, in that decade, which was the uh, so-called lead versus unleaded petrol wars. I'm going to give a, an overview of that, a very interesting um, phenomenon that occurred, in case you're not aware of it. So let's get on to the um, new adventures in just a couple of seconds. Alright, let's get started on my new adventures in pop culture here at Transition Seeker. I had a fun encounter on Twitter recently, as I often do. Uh, this is for um, a group that I follow called Alia New Graduates, as I'm myself a new graduate of a, a library course. Um, they did a nice post asking for people to put up uh, pictures of things that we call shelfies. Uh, and of course, I can't resist a pun, so I had to follow suit shelfies of course are um kind of selfies of your bookshelves uh when you've especially you've got themed bookshelves or just bookshelves with very interesting decorations on them i've got a bunch of them so i put one up uh my uh my horror book collection because to me the interesting thing about that is i actually have some themed um shelf 
cover paper on there of just skulls that that I found in a in a newsagent, uh, you know, that sort of sticky stuff that you can put on the cover your your stationery or your folders and so forth, and uh, you can put them on your shelves as well. And uh, I did, and I did that, and I'm looking to actually collect a few more themed uh, papers uh, to go on some of my other themed shelves, my science fiction collection, uh, maybe some some cover paper with rockets on them or planets or aliens. Um, and there's so many other ways you can go with that. Um, whatever, whatever theme you can have spies, you can have crime and just doing the actual shells themselves and then of course you, you can have themed bookends which I also uh, like doing. I've got a, a shelf of children's books with uh, a couple of nice bookends of uh, teddy bears um, on both ends and you know it's the it's kind of nerdy thing that we library types like doing I guess. And I'm also working on a little bookend of my own construction which has a steampunk theme to it um, with lots of clockwork and gadgets and, and gears and and wires and uh, and that will clearly when I finish it I'm going to put that on my bookshelf of steampunk novels that I have um, it's a thing it's a thing um, and next up I want to um, make a little retraction to something I said a few weeks back because um, I had new information, I did a, a segment on um, on some music sites that included uh, Spotify and Bandcamp. You might, you may recall, I've discovered Bandcamp actually have a, a an app uh, for what they do, a fantastic little app which um, goes way beyond what they do online. The online site, which I kind of criticised a bit, its design it didn't have the kind of um, search functions that I was looking for for uh, different genres on that online site but I discovered discovered the app has lots and lots of genres fantastic genres that I was looking for uh, they even had j-pop which got me very excited um, there's a whole bunch of j-pop artists up there putting up their stuff and uh, lots and lots of stuff to go through there and um, and it was very user-friendly that app so um, yeah apologies to Bandcamp for dissing your your online um, presence when I, the the app was there all along and I didn't realize it what a silly me but I discovered that basically because I got an email from them recently um they're actually putting on a special in this sort of uh boomer remover time where um they they're doing a deal now where they're waiving their revenue shares one day a month um starting this this um this Friday May the 1st and uh from then on it'll be the first Friday of the month uh June the 5th and Ju July the 3rd so if you want to support the artists and uh, why not because Bandcap's a great little um, music site for buying um, lots of indie artists and uh, buying it pretty cheaply too you can often choose your own price there um, individual songs or albums and all kinds of formats uh, that you're looking for um, and to sort of find them out is using the Bandcamp app is the best way to go um, because it actually you can break it down to uh, specific cities even and uh particular um formats that uh you can, they've even got them in cassettes because bands like to go old school sometimes and sell cassettes of their songs and uh, obviously there's the ever popular digital download uh, which is probably the quickest way to do it probably the cheapest because it's not hard at copy media that is one negative i have had to say about bandcamp they um they're hard copy stuff when you want to get things mailed out um, sometimes that can be a little 
bit touch and go. But anyway, I was supposed to be praising them and, uh, yes, um, the Bandcamp app and uh, waiving their revenue, um, which is a nice thing to do. Uh, check it out. Um, on the music theme, continuing, I um, actually did buy that Pearl Jam album I talked about a couple of weeks ago, Gigatron, the expensive bloody album with all the um, the booklets with all the lyrics in them. And I've been getting into that fantastic little album, as you might expect, really, um, from Eddie and the boys. And because the album has the, the lyrics, they, more often than not, they do have the lyric sheet. But because it's this small CD format, like a common complaint I've always had about uh, CDs is this, the CD art, and it's so damned hard to read those liner notes and lyrics, often on these really unreadable fonts, which this one is no exception. And so, so I did the old trick of uh, scanning the the lyrics into the computer and uh, at three hundred dots per inch and uh, perusing them at a much larger sort of a format on the the computer screen because uh, I like to always do a pass on any album listening where I like to um, follow the lyrics um, as I listen to the album. Uh, if they go to the, the the time and expense of actually including the lyrics with their album, I may as well go through the the expense time expense of reading them as as I listen to them. Um, and it yielded up some interesting sort of things. Um, what sort of things are Eddie and the boys talking about in this this particular album? I guess a um, couple of themes I've discerned is uh, relationships, not unusual, um, and it's always a good idea not to make the mistake of assuming. Lyrics about a relationship are actually specifically um, personal l- lyrics that that pertain particularly to the um, the songwriter in in question. Songwriters, you know, are always writing about themselves. They're writing about other people, uh, but I don't fall into that trap. But if uh, you know, some of these are anything to go by. If they're um, if Eddie is writing about his own personal life, it would seem he's having some relationship problems. If that's true, uh, that's one of the themes for sure. Another one is simply meditations on one's mortality and especially the state of society with global warming. There seems to be a lot of concern about that, especially it shows up in the artwork, lots and lots of images of uh, pollution, um, refinery stations, uh, volcanoes erupting and nature fighting back. Um, of course, uh, the album could not, the guys could not have known about, uh, the coronavirus thing when they were making this album. And of course, it, it drops at a very inconvenient time for them when they can't really tour it. And hopefully they will maybe, I'm sure they'll be champing on the, at the bit to do that maybe later on in the year or maybe next year to promote the album. But yeah, the lyrics, um, for the most part, I would say they're, they're very abstract. They're, when they get specific, it's kind of interesting. I, I'd like to quote a couple of, uh, lines. There's one song here called Quick Escape, fourth track, which, which yields up the lines, Queen cranking on the blaster and Mercury did rise. So a little shout out there to the British group Queen there. So, so a pretty much a song about getting away from all the crap in one's life. It goes on further on. There's uh, some lines here. Um, Cross the border to Morocco, Kashmir, then Marrakesh. The lengths we had to go to then to find a place Trump hadn't fucked up yet. And Mr. Trump gets mentioned uh, another time in another song. One of the highlights, I think, a song called Seven O'Clock. Get one of the great ballads of the the um, album. And, of course, 
Pearl Jam have always been a, a band whose ballads and quieter songs have been always been real standouts and that continues with this album. Uh, so there's some of the lines here. Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse come forge the north and west. Then there's Sitting Bullshit as our sitting president. <laughs> Talking to his mirror, what's he say? What's it say back? A tragedy of errors. He'll be last to have a laugh. So, yeah, Mr. Trump sitting bullshit. That's a fairly good way to describe him, I would think. But, yeah, it's so great to have the band come back again. Same lineup. No one's no one's left the band. Um, they're all doing their thing. Eddie's voice still as good as ever. It's still one of the great rock voices, I think. The final track, in fact, um, the River Cross. So Eddie's using this really amazing hushed, husky, haunted voice. But if you hadn't heard before, um, makes it a very interesting listen. He's he's doing new things with his voice. He's mixing it up a bit. There's the usual growl for the the the, um, the up tempo numbers, but you know he really lets it lets it out in this full expressiveness when these quieter songs. And the band are really really firing on all cylinders. There's there's still depth to this band. There's still power to them, and uh, and more power to them, I would say. So that's Pearl Jam's new album, Gigatron. Go out and buy it. You have no excuse now. You're getting extra money from the government, extra pocket money. So go and do it. Don't worry about that overpriced uh, album. Let's move on. Be back in a sec. Now, I want to do a, a segment here on lists. Uh, think of it as a meditation, if you like, a meditation on lists and list making because I don't think it's any secret. Uh, I really do love making lists. I think they're one of the great things. They're not just enjoyable or interesting to me. They're, they're also useful in many ways. I'm going to try and convince you as to uh, the efficacy of uh, making lists and, and doing that. My latest list is one on um, a music list on the music of the 1970s. Uh, various things have come up lately that's got me thinking about that. And so I, I did a list, basically key albums of the 1970s. And uh, note that term, the key albums, not necessarily the best albums, but the key ones. And, and uh, when you're making a list like that, um, it's always good to have some parameters, to have some criteria that you're going to uh, use sort of uh, to refine your list. What sort of um, – how many albums are we talking about here and um, what sort of leeway did I give myself? Well, I, I decided not to narrow it down in terms of the amount, I think. you know, what I, I just wanted to come up with a whole list of key albums, the th- albums I thought were key. Not worrying too much about the numbers for the now, um, but I have to say it's a good idea to put a number to your list, um, whether it's the 10 best or the 50 most, whatever it is. Something about putting the number there, I, I find, makes it more appealing. Um, 
and there's something about the, just the number there that's very appealing and that gets clickbait going. You know that I've seen lots and lots of those listy clickbait um, memes on, on Reddit and, and all the other social media sites. Uh, and they're there for a very important reason because they do get eyeballs. Um, so, yeah, add a number by all means. Make it 10, make it 20, whatever it is. And I guess I'll do that with mine too when, when I come up with a final number. Um just uh, be aware of that. But I did want to narrow it down in terms of um, albums per artist. I decided to go one album per artist, which makes things difficult with certain artists like uh, David Bowie, who's clearly got to be in there. Which Bowie album do you choose of, of all those great albums? Do you synthesize down? And I also wanted to... Um, look at the more commercial end of the spectrum, um, particularly albums that at least had one hit or that was was itself a bestseller, uh, which meant leaving out a whole bunch of great albums and great artists like The Velvet Underground and um, Big Star and Graham Parsons and Nick Drake, um, really good artists with good albums, but uh, I left them off because that was the way I was narrowing my focus, the more commercial end. And, of course, it's a good idea to... Um, get some help from the internet when you're doing these things because there are so many sites with lists of these things and so many organizations and magazines and so forth that have provided these details for us um, to get a good idea. Um, obviously Rolling Stone and Pitchfork and uh, sites like that um, are full, they've got their own um, best of the 70s type lists that uh, you can draw upon. They're useful for um, catching albums that um, that I couldn't think of an artist that, that I'd forgotten about. Uh, very useful that way. And it's interesting um, checking them out because you, you get to see the patterns that are forming here because that's what happens with lists as well. They reveal uh, patterns of data, patterns of usage and, and patterns of popularity, if you like. Now, we're certainly there front and centre on some of these sides. So there are certain artists, certain albums that, that appear time and time again. You can pretty much work out what they are for, uh, a, for a list like this. It's albums of the 70s. I've mentioned one, Mr. David Bowie. But we know who these are. If, you, if you're familiar at all with, with this particular decade, um, especially its decade of music, um, Led Zeppelin are there, Pink Floyd, yes, the Sex Pistols, particularly genres uh, are front and centre, even disco, the Bee Gees, Glam Rock with, with Bowie and T-Rex. But what's also interesting is what's not there. I, I couldn't believe, looking at all these sites, um, that amazing Swedish group ABBA did not appear in any of the lists that I saw. And ABBA are definitely one of those bands who got to be in any um, key albums of the 70s list, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think it's even opinion. I just think it's a matter of fact. Um, if you ain't got ABBA in your list, then you're, um, you, you've lost credibility with me, I think. Uh, and I certainly put ABBA in mind. The album I went with for, for them was the Arrival album of 1976, the album that had Dancing Queen on it. And there are other, other artists, um, Electric Light Orchestra is another one that, that don't seem to get the love anymore, not considered cool. And that, I guess, is part of the problem with some of these lists. Uh, they're trying to be too cool for school, some of them, and not being objective enough, looking at the, the 
um, the criteria the way they should be and, and not being comprehensive in my opinion. So I think I've managed to um, make a small contribution to that um, and leveling out the playing field a bit more and being more comprehensive, I think. And of course, if you want to see the list that I came up with, it's, it's up online on the Transition Seeker podcast site, the, um, the show notes for this particular uh, podcast number 12, I think it is. Uh, you can peruse what I came up with. I'm not going to go through them all at the moment. Uh, just check them out and see what you think. Pass me a note about what you think of my particular list. Uh, what did you find was interesting about it? What did what sort of patterns did you notice in it? Lists are great that way. They're full of information, full of patterns that can be discerned. Or even going further, a list like this, the uh, key albums of the 1970s, I think it tells us something about that decade. What an interesting decade it was. The, the last one that was fully analog in my opinion the retrieval systems were were pretty much tape or vinyl um, this is before cds came in in the early 1980s and before home computing and before even home videotape uh, vhs and all of that so the last of those decades that where we got really wide flared and platform shoot and long haired and uh, we all let it. We let it all hang out. Uh, I was there. I remember it was a good time. But that's all one of the things that you can do with lists, and uh, I recommend them. Show me some of yours. There you are. Hey, this is me. We're moving out with the air is clean. I'm a co in my machine. Positive power, you know what I mean. Moving out where the air is clean. With I'm a co in my machine. I'm a co in my Okay, wasn't that fantastic? Wasn't that groovy? That was uh, a little theme song from an ad for the product Amico, which uh, played a lot here in Australia in the 1970s. So I'm continuing that 1970s thread that I just brought you before about key albums in the 1970s because it got me thinking what other important things happened in the 1970s that could be talked about and one of the most important I think that's often forgotten is that we had the so-called leaded unleaded petrol wars back in the 1970s which was actually an important issue and has a lot of relevance for today really um, the basic issue is that uh, back then most cars in particular were still run on a uh, on a standard petrol which used uh, lead in it in its formula a, a chemical called tetratylid which added lead to the petrol and, and it had been doing this for, since the start really of the automotive industry back in the early 1900s uh, but the problem was that uh, this lead is toxic and uh, slowly will kill you and uh, 
concerns had been raised about it, that even back in the 1920s and earlier when uh, this kind of petrol came out, but uh, it was only until only about various campaigns uh, by um, protesters and chemists and, and scientists who were concerned about it um, before it became an issue and became legislated. Then there's a lot of interesting material about the campaigns, especially one that I can think of is the uh, the documentary series Cosmos, uh, hosted by the scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson. The sequel, I guess, to the original one that was hosted by good old Carl Sagan. And there was an episode there, um, the seventh episode, I think it was, called The Clean Room, which went into the whole issue of how uh, leaded petrol and the the awareness of its dangers came to light, especially with an American uh, campaigner, a fellow called Claire Patterson, a chemist, I think, who uh, really um, got the ball rolling there, at least in the United States. It's a really fascinating story. And here in Australia, we had a similar issue, and uh, and of course, the petroleum industries did not give up this struggle with, without pushback uh, because obviously their profits were at risk and uh, they had to be emphasised over the safety and health of the people and uh, too bad if they were all slowly dying of uh, lead poisoning. Profits had to be continued and, and so there was a bit of a war there going on for quite a while and it, and it ended there in the 1970s with uh, regulations coming in that made it mandatory for petrol stations to, to sell unleaded petrol and eventually there's a ban on it. There is, as I speak now, I, be, I believe there's only about three countries in the world that would still sell leaded petrol. Um, these, as far as I know, are Algeria, Yemen and Iraq. But there's also another area where leaded petrol still remains, and that's in the aviation industry. Uh, there's still a type of uh, petrol avgas, which is needed for piston engine aircraft. So small type aircraft uh, still use it, and um, apparently uh, children who live in areas near airports where these sort of planes fly still show abnormal amounts of lead in their blood, which is pretty scary to think about. And it's interesting to look at it from the perspective today, the whole coronavirus thing, how we're all self-isolating because of this virus that's been spreading. And uh, back then, it wasn't a virus. It was a man-made uh, thing, uh, this tetratilid um, that we were consciously doing and and, and exposing people to. And uh, and people weren't even really aware of it. It makes the whole uh, the whole issue of tobacco and the cigarette companies um, sort of pale into insignificance in some ways. And it's kind of instructive to compare the two because uh, obviously cigarettes are still being sold, but uh, that's I guess is because we we allow people to self harm when it comes to cigarettes because it's they're taken internally. The only external um, harm you get is from passive smoking, obviously. But we allow that. That's okay. It's their funeral, basically. But where they came to uh, leaded petrol in the air, I mean, it was going to all of us. Um, we had no protection from it. So um, that was for obviously a very important campaign and clearly led to the savings of, of who knows, countable amounts of lives of people who could have died from lead poisoning eventually um, had it continued 
And it's quite sobering to think about. But anyway, the reason I got onto this issue uh, from thinking about the 1970s um, was that um, commercial that I played you at the start of this this segment. There were a number of uh, commercials that the Amico Oil Company put out. Um, very memorable ads, and you can actually see them up online on YouTube. Uh, just type in Amico ads or Amico promotions. They're quite... Um, interesting artifacts of that time. It's, it's true of most, especially television ads, I find that old ones, that they are real time machines. They really take you back if you uh, live through those times and you remember those ads. Um, watching an old TV ad is like, it really is like stepping into that time machine. It takes you back so, so clearly and uh, memorably. And the, the recording that I played for you was actually from a, a flexi disc that, that I own, which uh, was being either sold or given away at Amoco petrol stations at the time uh, because they were very popular songs. The, they were quite well done, very um, hippie, dippy, um, but quite melodic and very well produced. I'd really like to know who were the people behind the production of the singers. I suspect there's some pretty well-known people in there. And, and a flexi-disc, in case you're wondering, um, was, was a 7-inch record, or like a vinyl record, but made of extremely thin vinyl. Um, and you, you could play it maybe four or five times and then probably would wear out. But... Um, I still have that little artifact and I still grew to those tunes. In fact, that's interesting. Um, in preparing this, this particular episode and preparing this particular, um, segment, I had made an assumption that, uh, this ad, uh, the, the nice clean petrol, which was the main theme, um, for Amico was, um, actually in the, um, the leaded petrol camp. They were doing that awful thing that advertisers occasionally do, believe it or not. They actually lie and they don't tell you the truth. They tell porkies. Uh, and I, I, I sort of assumed that that's what they were doing with this ad, that they were spooking for the, the bad guys, basically. Um, but no, it turns out Amico was just about pretty much the first company to actually sell unleaded petrol. Uh, they also had standard as well, but by the time these ads came around, I think it was they were pretty much promoting the unleaded stuff um, as their clean petrol. And of course, the idea of clean petrol is a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a big cause of global warming at the moment, um, whether it's uh, leaded or unleaded or not. But back then, you, you could make the claim that it was the clean petrol, certainly compared to leaded petrol. But yeah, I'm glad to be able to report to you that they actually were, I guess, the good guys back then. Well, let's finish the show now and get out of here. This is Russell for Transition Seeker. I'm going to leave you on the other side of this flexi disc that I have, uh, which can groove you on the way out. And feel free to sing along. Hope you enjoy the show, and I'll check you later. Nice.